0: Hey, everybody. Welcome to the game. You know what? I was so upset by yesterday's game of Do They Know It? I
1: got rid of everybody besides Troy. It's just Troy and me. That's everybody. Save for one problem. What's that? The fact that I'm firmly ensconced into this studio today. Yeah, I put
0: Troy across the glass. He's running the board. I needed somebody to push the buttons, all right? I don't do that anymore. I did it for nine years. I'm taking a break. Welcome to the game, Mitch Fortner and Troy Coverdale. Troy's shirt says, I still call it Mile High. Are you talking about the club?
1: (laughs) Is there another name for that? No, There's a reason why this shirt is bright orange. Thank you very much. Yeah, but no blue. Uh, It's on the outline of the trim. Oh, the trims. Excuse me, the trim. There is a blue version of this where it's outlined in orange as well, which I do not own. As Michael Buffer would say, trimmed in blue. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, to borrow Pat Boland's old uh, old adage, uh, it would be predominantly orange, even though they're in Navy. You're yeah. pretty used to being over there now, aren't you? You host the morning show, and you still do morning sports. This bad boy's still a little different, though. Trying to run this show is a little different than running that one. Setups are a little different. But you're definitely more used to Well, oh, yeah. is it,
0: though? I mean... You're pushing couple buttons of, on the same There's a couple things. of technical things. It's the same board. It's the same touchscreen. You still have the two computer monitors in front of you. It can't be that
1: different. Little things.
0: The, the Little things.
1: Here's the difference. The difference is... And I've not been behind it yeah, during this show very you're much.
0: You're day-to-day used to running the morning show. Yes. You're not day-to-day running the board for this show. Correct. You're usually sitting next to me, my ten o'clock, or my, uh, my 2 o'clock. Correct. Except you're over there today. Now, Sage and, and uh, Big Steve have the day off. and um, Rightfully
1: so. They have
0: to work Monday morning. Yes, they do. And um, DG is out today as well. I don't know what he's doing. Uh, as far as I checked, nothing was on fire. He hasn't given us an update on the run-in he had with eighth graders. At Eisenhower Middle School, I hate to ask. I think they're eighth grade, maybe seventh graders. Somebody beat them up, and uh, what? You don't remember the joke? Okay, I didn't catch that (laughs) one. Sorry. Never mind, it's spoiled. We're gonna have a a little bit of fun in the second hour as we preview some K State baseball today. The Cats taking on Texas Tech for the second time in three days. That's down in Arlington, Texas, Globe Life Field, the home of the Texas Rangers with K-State's second straight year where they're trying to make a deep run as a bottom-half seed, a seven seed for the second straight year. And guess what? For the second straight year to springboard that run, they're taking on Texas Tech in the Friday game, which is (laughs) a 7 o'clock first pitch pregame, 6.30 from the K-State Sports Network from Learfield with Brian Smoller and Chris Brown on the call. Now here's the uh, here's one of my favorite things I saw on Twitter yesterday. Shout out to uh, Glenn Kinley who works for KSNT in Topeka. I believe the Catbacker event where he was at was in Topeka, and I love this kind of thing. So I'm not gonna play like the the, the audio to this video, but the Catbacker event is going on. Somebody's talking. Somebody's giving a speech. Marquis Snowell. Has been on. I don't know if he's been on the entire trip, but I think he's been to at least seventy-five percent of the stops. And he was on yesterday's stop. Which, by the way, he's wearing a lavender hoodie, lavender sweatpants. They definitely match; like they go together. And he's also wearing black shoes. That is a slick look, in my opinion. I want all, I, I, I have the black shoes. I don't have actually any lavender. I'm always late to the game. Like, I say I'm going to go get some, and then it's everywhere sold out of it. It's popular. But Marquise Noel, obviously, he gets it for being a K-State men's basketball player, but he separates, and he just starts passing the ball around with this uh, little kid. They keep making hoops out of their arms, like, you know, and whoever's shooting gets to shoot in the other person's arms. I think that's a tremendous representation of K-State for Marquise Noel that he took time, in this video, I don't know how long it is, it's 30 seconds, but it was definitely longer than that, where he's just with this one kid over away from everybody else, besides a couple of people sitting at a picnic table, and just passing the ball around. I think that's great representation for a couple of reasons. One, I mean... I doubt like many student athletes at the college level, whatever, like, you know, big league, a fan or something, you know, they entertain them for what they've asked for, a picture, an autograph or whatever. But looks like this kid asked Marquise Noel, you want to play basketball with me? And that's what he did. And I guarantee you this kid who's probably, I'm going to guess eight, second grade, third grade, he's going to remember that for the rest of his life. And Marquise Noel is going to be in his final year at K-State this year after just one year previously. And I love that. I love that kind of stuff. I think that's what K-State and K-State family and being a Wildcat is all about. Like that, those kind of things. Marquise Noel doesn't have to be a part of the show the whole time. But he just wants to interact with the fans. And that's what he did. I I've watched this video 20 times. And it just it I'm I'm kind of I'm soft. I'm a soft hearted person. I love this kind of stuff. Heck, if I get to watching too many videos of troops returning home, surprising their families, uh, or like Ellen DeGeneres videos of her giving away a house to a, a family in need, that hits me hard, man. I start to cry. I just love this kind of stuff.
1: It's similar to the Deuce Vaughn post game running in the parking lot against a kid.
0: Oh yeah, spring. Yeah, this yeah. Ball. I forgot about that. I forgot about that. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I think Marquis Noel, like nobody will say anything like mean about him or negative about him when when it comes off the court. On the court, he gets, I think, unnecessary heat for his turnover numbers. Which, yes, I mean, this last season, averaging two and a half turnovers. And I've said it many times. He doubled that in assists. And not all those turnovers were his fault. I think we're extremely lucky to have Marquise Noel as a representative for K-State. He loves being here. And another thing, we we get the next year with him, of course. But, man, he's gone all in on trying to help Coach Tang and this coaching staff pick up players. He's been so active on social media. He was trying to set up somewhere in Aggieville with fans – to bring in Antoine Davis to go on a night out in the town. Let's go have some fun. K-State fans, where should we go? Let's go have some fun. Because he wanted to show Antoine Davis the best time, what Aggieville and what Manhattan have to offer, and maybe that would cons- uh, he would then consider K-State. Of course, he didn't pick K-State. Maybe he had it planned the whole time. We don't know. to return to Detroit Mercy. But I love the effort he puts into trying to make K-State a better place. Love that about Marquise Noel. I, we are so fortunate to have that kid here at K-State. I could go on and on about my appreciation for what he's done in the last couple of weeks, month, two months for K-State. And this is just a late example. He is trying his hardest to make his two years at K-State the absolute best that he can. And thank you, Marquise Noel, for being such a great guy. And he's really fun to talk to as well. And I I remember at media day, I was like, nobody's talking to Marquise Noel. I went up and talked to him, and he stood up, shook my hand, introduced himself. I introduced myself. And the great thing about that, I didn't have to look too far up to look into his eyes. <laughs> I think he is a legit 5'7". I think Deuce Vaughn, I think he's listed at 5'6". You know what? I think he might be 5'7", but uh, that's just from me eyeballing
1: it, you know? Sure.
0: I'm just kind of ga- kind of gauging where uh, the eyes meet and uh, working from there, but the, I got the, a big head.
1: The, the rare person that you could look down just a hair at, just that tip of the head just a little lower? I
0: have never in my career talked to an athlete, a male athlete I should say, from where I've had to look down at them, that has never <laughs> happened, and that will probably never, never happen.
1: happen. Right, I understand.
0: Now, of course, we're working with the soccer team. There's, you know, from five foot to five five. You know, there's a lot of them in that neighborhood. A shorter team is where you'll find soccer players. I joked
1: years ago that I lost any ego I had about my height when I started covering women's college basketball, because the, when they started being taller than me, it's like. Okay,
0: yeah. K State will have one or two players that will be, uh, of course, depends on the year. But like sometimes they'll have one or two players. Like Sidney Goodson was the mm-hmm. latest. That was maybe my height, five 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 six ish. But it doesn't happen very often. Kindred Weisman was a little bit taller than me. Let's see who can I. And they're really what Simone Goodrich is a little bit taller. Yeah, there's not there hasn't been very many. I mean, Mitty's been bringing in these 6-footers to play guard. Um and then of course the bigs, you know, 6'2, 6'3, and of course Aoki 6'6, 6'7. Mhm. Yeah. I'm dwarfed by everybody. And I'm used to it. It's fine. But, you know, Marquis Noel, I've said it before, like he he is 5'7, 5'8, but he plays like he's 6'3.
1: He has no fear.
0: No, and he he has, he has developed the most entertaining circus shot that often, to some, sometimes to often, often will go in. But that's the way he has to do it. If he wants to get to the hoop, he's got to be a little bit quicker because he's not going to have as much room to work with when it comes to the reach of that defender and trying to block that shot. I really enjoy Marquis Noel. He's, I said earlier, he's a great guy to talk to. Great guy, great quote. He says what's on his mind. I mean, he was all in. I think he was the first to say it. Maybe it was either him or uh, Mark Smith. Like, hey, man, we're playing for Coach Weber. We're playing for him. We don't like this negative, neg- negative things we've been hearing about him, reading about him. We're playing for him. We want him to win. It's a stand-up thing to say, in my opinion, about Mark, from Marquise Noel. Also heard it from Mike McGurl, of course, Mark Smith. And I did want to talk about uh, Drum Tink's comments yesterday, kind of bouncing off of what we did say yesterday. Maybe I got a little bit ahead of myself with those comments yesterday because I was a little bit too focused on past relationships. Let's put it that way. Where I felt like we had been burned a few times. And this is just, it also just kind of stems from stories I'd heard from the past. And again, I'm not going to name any names, but there's been, you know, multiple instances. Heck, if you look up the, um, uh, uh, Oh, gosh. Uh, fertility U, is that it? That's Utility U. Futility U. And talking about Manhattan, Kansas being the middle of nowhere, hard place to bring some guys in. I've been way too hung up on that when it comes to recruiting losses, issues. And I know it's not for every guy. And I got a little bit too hung up on that. The thing is about him mentioning during the – Cat Packers event. Fertility U. I can't believe I said that. Futility U. So funny. (laughs) Clip that one out. We got to save it. Okay. (laughs) Oh, boy. Okay. So going back to the Cat Packers event a couple of days ago, I believe it was on Tuesday, where Coach Tang, I mean, the number has been getting a little bit smaller. It was just, just a couple of weeks ago. Coach Tang said on a podcast, you know, they're trying to get 11, 12 guys. Now it's down to 10. You know, and I, you know, I brought up, you know, maybe part of that is a learning experience. It's a hard place to recruit guys, and that's Manhattan, Kansas. You know, I thought DG brought up some great points to us, people who have been here for years. David Garcia has lived here pretty much all his life. (laughs) Manhattan is not a bad place, but for some that come from big cities, used to a lot of people of all shapes and sizes and colors. A place like this is a culture shock. And a little bit more boring than where you're when they're probably from. So yeah, it can play a role. For some it's more important than others. It just depends on the person. Right. But going back to the 10 on that roster, which was seems like the goal now, it is totally doable. It's not ideal, but it is totally doable to, of course, play basketball, but more importantly, be successful with 10 scholarship guys. Right now, they got seven. That means they want three more. That's the goal. And I mentioned yesterday, and I still stand by it. It could take a while before we get there. It could be months. It really could be. Heck, Baylor has added some guys before. Donovan Mitchell is uh, one that pops into my mind that uh, was added in August. I believe, actually, a Drum Tank did mention that on a podcast that – That was an August edition, and so it's going to take time. I'm okay with that. I I can be patient about it, but an example last year, Jeff Mitty and K-State women's basketball played an entire season with 10 players available, and they finished sixth in the Big 12. They went 500. That was a very difficult Big 12 gauntlet to battle through. And they made it to the NCAA tournament. Won a first-round game. They had to take on a team that was like number one in the country for the whole season, or up there at least, in the top five, the whole season long. They played them twice that year in NC State. I mean, heck, if you get that from Jerome Tang and this team this year, that's fantastic. Big difference is the majority of everybody bring, bringing in by, brought in by Jerome Tang is going to be completely new, of course. And... Uh, But I also mentioned this as well about Jeff Minney and that team last year. A lot of freshmen. (laughs) There there were three freshmen that were pivotal, gigantic, awesome, along with the All-American Center, Aoka Lee.
1: It's also going to force, though, the coaches to have to be creative in practice. Because they'll have to figure out ways to have that roster filled out beyond just the 10, but you're not going to want to wear it down your primary group. And that's going to take some doing when you get to going early and are trying to get this group to gel together because you don't want to overdo, but yet you're trying to lay down what is going to be happening or what is new in your program. That's going to be a big challenge.
0: If you ask Coach Mitty, without those three freshmen, it probably wasn't going to be a good season. Right. Who knows, maybe this time next year, Coach Ting will be saying, you know, without those three guys we signed to make it 8, 9, and 10, we wouldn't have had a good season.
1: I thought, had the thought even going into the, the women's season, it was going to hinge on how well Serena Sundell played. I really felt that way because you're putting her in as a freshman at point guard in a Big 12 schedule, that was, that, that's a tough that's a tough spot to put a kid in as a fresh, true freshman coming in.
0: All right, let's take a break. When we come back, who knew that we had somebody here at the radio station that went to high school with a Kansas City Royal? That's coming up next. Welcome back to the game. Whiskey-a-Go-Go, the Viper Room, catching a Motley Crue show. This is the very first song they played. At their very first show. Before that fight broke out. And then they played it again. Because that's what the people wanted to hear. Alright, welcome back to the game. Mitch Fortner and Troy Coverdale. How about the Royals yesterday? Uh, you know what? Offensively, it wasn't pretty. Until the 8th inning. And I gotta say. Bobby Wood Jr. Maybe we've been a little a bit harsh with you, But I do love... The two-RBI double. That was pretty nice. Make that the RBI double. And then Whit Merrifield with a couple of RBIs as well in that eighth inning. And the Royals beat the Twins 3-2. to And despite the Royals being 15-28, and the Twins are 27-18. and you know, The Twins just have a game lead in the series this year, 4-3. to But I got to say who I was uh, very proud of the most, and he's having a good year, and he's in his fifth year with the Royals, is Scott Barlow. Two innings, he puts the team on his back. Who was it? Was it Noel Byamps? Am I saying that right, Troy? Troy's not ready to go. Now he is. Yoel Piamps. yes. Anyway. Looks like Payamps. Yeah, he comes in, and I mean, just loads the bases. Single, single, single. Bases loaded. Someone needs to come save the day. And Scott Barlow put the team on his back. He really did. Strikeout, strikeout, groundout, out of the inning. And he goes two innings total and gets Kansas City the victory. He picks up the save. It's his fifth of the year. The win goes to Josh Stamont, who went one inning and two strikeouts. But believe it or not, guys, really the whole reason we're talking the Royals is because I found out earlier today at this very radio station, we have somebody who works here that went to high school, graduated from the same class with Scott Barlow in Los Angeles, California. Nick McNamara is with us. Thank you for joining us, Nick.
2: Of course, no problem. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's wonderful to be back. I was probably you probably may have heard me here a little bit earlier today, um, and if not, you're going to hear me at five again. So always love to come in and. I think this is my first time on this side of the mic, or I think this might be my game debut, actually. Now that we I think about it.
0: Well, you're you're kind of uh, different when it comes to your sports interest, aren't? You? Are you not?
2: I'm more of a hockey fan than anything, uh, which I don't know if that's kind of weird for being from L.A. We have the Kings and, uh, no. and the Ducks and all, but they're very far down the list in terms you, of best teams.
1: You had you grew up with the Kings. I mean, let's be honest, the Kings have been around long enough that you can be an NHL fan and be a Kings fan, and you're fine. Yeah.
2: I'll say that you say that, but. Around 2009, 2010, when I was really getting into it, they were pretty abysmal. And I would get made fun of in L.A. for being an L.A. Kings fan. So maybe not so much the goodwill that you're imagining in the L.A. Era, uh, LA market, so to speak.
1: More so among ho- hockey folks.
2: Yeah, yeah. You know, they've had a good diehard fan base out there, yeah. even in the bad years. Maybe they weren't filling it to the brim, but they were getting... 90% attendance, they, they were managing to have some good attendance there, even in the bad years.
0: All the stereotypes about Los Angeles, is there one out there that's just completely untrue?
2: Oh, geez. Um, I wouldn't, personally, my personal opinion, and you can disagree with me on this however much you want, I do not think LA drivers are the worst drivers. I hear that a lot about how LA is really bad about driving, and I disagree. I just think as long as you go with the flow, you're going to be fine. It's just a matter of whether you can keep up with the flow.
0: I've never driven in L.A., but I've noticed on the 4 – is it the 405, the one highway that's always just jammed up?
2: Yeah, the worst. The 101 uh, the is actually the worst uh, freeway out there, but the 405 is kind of the main thoroughfare for a lot of the places you want to go. So that it gets real bad. It gets real bad. I,
0: well, I was just in L.A. with K-State Baseball, and I noticed like when you finally – you know the the, stars, the the cars get going a little bit. People put a lot of space between them and the car ahead of them. But I I have the theory that's because if you follow too closely, you're worried about the person in front of you slamming on the brakes.
2: It could happen. Um, There's also people who will try to squeeze their way in in different ways. And it's, it's also a matter of just kind of saving your fuel economy. If you just kind of coast a little bit and not come to a full stop every chance you get, you'll save a little more on gas. You'll save some money. And out there right now, you're paying $6 a gallon. So probably save the gas.
0: Yeah, no, thank you. You used to ride a motorcycle out there, right? So I did. You, you could was... do
2: the gimmick where you could
0: just roll through oh. the middle of the lanes. And... Yep,
2: yep. Lane splitting, filtering. Beautiful. Very fun.
1: Frickin' daredevils <laughs> pulling that. I'm just waiting for some idiot to open a door when they do that. Well,
2: you got in a wreck one time, didn't you? It wasn't on a freeway, though. I was. Uh, this was on a regular highway. Someone turned over a double yellow and took me out. So. Ooh. Whether you want to or not, um, someone might make your day interesting. Right. Honestly, before we get into more sports talk, statistically, safer to be between two cars than stopped right behind them. You know, when you think about driving, you don't see other cars. You're not going to see that motorcycle stopped. True. That's just my logic on it. There's also some stats on that. People can Google that.
0: Well, Scott Barlow has been a Royal now for five years. He's on a one-year contract right now worth $2.4 million. This is by far the best money he's made at the professional level, and he was drafted out of high school. Now, how you're
2: 29? I am 29, when's class your, of 2011. When's your birthday? May 6th, so I
0: just turned 29, So you're actually. younger than Scott Barlow here. Mm-hmm. He's from Canyon County, California.
2: That's what it says on uh, ESPN. I think they got that wrong then, because it should be, I'm from Canyon Country, California, so that may be what it is. Okay. It's Canyon Country within the city of Santa Clarita, the Valley of Santa Clarita in northern Los Angeles County.
0: Does everybody make the joke to you, the Santa Clarita diet?
2: Not so much, really. I, the only person I hear that from is our own very own Sam Honeybunches.
0: Okay, I'm an idiot. It does say Canyon <laughs> Country.
2: <laughs> you know, Canyon I forgot Country, the
0: R in there. No, it's That's fine.
2: It's fine. Um, and it's a pretty blue collar neighborhood. It's pretty. There's a lot of like working class people out there. It's it's pretty nice if you like relatively dry riverbeds for most of the time um it's a very nice environment you get beautiful mountains it's a really good scenery but yeah i i graduated with scott in 2011 from golden valley high school that was i wouldn't say i was best friends with him i knew him we may have talked here and there in passing we weren't necessarily best friends or maybe playing in the same circles i was in band i was a a marching band guy i led the i led the high school band for a while and he was a baseball player so there's a degree of overlap if we ever played a game, but we weren't necessarily best friends. I was more friends of friends with him.
1: Did you go to the same barber?
0: <laughs> you know, it's funny. Because you both have long hair and he does have a little bit of a beard. Yours is much better. You
2: know, it's it's really funny. Kind <laughs> have to, this force Gump thing going almost. Because if I was looking at photos, because Brandon, the whole reason this topic came up, Brandon Peoples was watching the game last night and he brings up, Scott saying he looks like someone from Workaholics, one of the one of the main <laughs> characters, which I can see. I see the I see the resemblance a bit. I suppose you could say the same about me. But uh, he had real short hair when when we were in high school, so it's interesting to see. And I didn't necessarily have long hair in high school either, so it's interesting to see how we've both come about to this. I guess stereotypical California look, <laughs> perhaps a little.
0: And you told me earlier, right? There's like over 600 kids in your class.
2: Yeah, we our school district, so it's a little different. We had a we had a junior high slash high school district, and then there was numerous elementary school districts all in the same city. So there was like six different high schools in our district, all about the same size, and it's like 500, 600 size or student size classes is about it for each school. So it's. Really big district, but not quite as big on the LAUSD side of things.
0: So was Scott Barlow, like, was he just the typical
2: jock? He was a goofball from my perspective. He was a very fun guy. Uh, he, he was always the guy to be cracking a joke, from what I could tell. He was a, seemed like all of his friends had a lot of fun with him. He was the type of guy to show up in costumes if there was a costume day. He was the type that you'd see making a funny face in a picture. Um, but he always seemed like kind of the the center of a joke, whether it was maybe people making jokes with him or he was making the joke. But he was, always, he was always a real jokester type person from what I could tell.
0: But you didn't really have much of a personal relationship with him.
2: No, I was friends with some of his friends. Like um, I, I don't imagine he's listening, but Josh Smith, people like that. He was friends of friends with him, a guy we call San Miguel, his last name uh we i was more friends with them and he would be on the periphery of it and i'd interact with him through them at most i can't even i can't even bring up a good conversation i had with the guy i'll be honest and i'll add because of the class size my girlfriend graduated the same year as me um we had a lot of the same classes not all of the same classes and she doesn't even remember the guy she didn't (laughs) even know he went there and it's kind of odd to me he's like the most famous guy from our high school i'd say ever Probably we're not when we graduated it was probably year seven or year eight of the I'm school's look that existence. Up.
0: Oh, what did you say? The uh, Golden high Valley High School. Say that again. Golden Valley. Golden
2: Valley Valley
0: High School. Or the Grizzlies?
2: We're the Grizzlies? It says yeah.
0: here. Okay, it's giving me like two different.
2: Yeah, Santa Clarita. You'll Santa Clarita. One. Yeah. Okay. But a GVHS, and it was my brother was one of the, actually the first graduating class from that high school. Oh, okay, as well. so it's not
0: very old. Yeah, it says so Scott branded. Barlow here, uh, the rapper Blueface. Yep. Yep. Also is from there. Um,
2: he uh, had some legal troubles recently. So. Oh, did he? Yes, he did. Don't want to claim him, huh? Yeah, we're not getting into those.
0: Back to the girlfriend. <laughs> what if she told you like, oh, yeah, I dated him.
2: I'd be shocked because I never heard about that. <laughs> <laughs> you wouldn't be intimidated? No, no. I mean, we're, we're well past any of that. I mean. But you've been we've, out of
0: school for 10 years yeah, or high school been,
2: we've been together me and Lauren been together 12 13 years now so i don't think wow. there's any any risk of that coming up uh,
0: so you've never done like a dating app or anything
2: no i've i've never touched tinder no bumble i know bumble cuz the hat i'm wearing they were a sponsor with them Oh, so they sponsored with the premier lacrosse league interestingly enough
0: oh yeah a big premier uh, lacrosse Fan over here. Yeah,
2: yeah. It, another oddity for California. That's bigger in San Diego than mm-hmm. L.A.,
1: mm-hmm.
2: but not quite, not quite the L.A. scene. Interesting. I'll add another Scott Barlow fact. He came here in 2017. Well, he signed with the Royals in 2017. I moved here in 2017 as well. And he signed He was drafted by the Dodgers out of high school. So we both came to the Midwest at the same time.
0: But does he make more money than you?
2: I think that's uh, without a doubt. <laughs>
0: Uh, you told me, $2.4 million? This year. Now, he used to make, the previous four years was all under a million. Like, he was getting, I mean, he was teetering the line of, like, the league minimum. Mm-hmm.
2: Okay, I think I make under a million dollars, too. I think we were kind of on par around <laughs> around the first four <laughs> years then.
0: Well, Nick, thank you so much for stopping by. I, I, I didn't know we had this connection to the Royals. I think this is the closest connection we've ever had to the Royals, ever. I can't recall anything else. I know... Brad I used to get you remember Mason both mm-hmm. I used to make give him a hard time because he loves Brad Keller but he and Brad Keller look a lot alike like they look like they could be brothers
2: <laughs> I'm a big it, Mason fan I'm googling this after to check it out
0: oh yeah look up Mason because you'll probably have him on Facebook or whatever and look up Brad Keller and they look
1: similar to me
2: all right I'm checking this out always a pleasure Mitch
1: Six, By the de- way, six degrees of Nick McNamara, ladies and gentlemen.
2: And we do Actually, we're not going to have Royals <laughs> baseball. They
1: play nope. at 7-ish. 7-10.
0: From Target Field, But and they're taking on the Twins again. But we're going to have K-State State Baseball tonight taking on the Red Raiders beginning at 6.30 with first pitch at 7. Let's take a timeout. Uh, when we come back, NHL fans, man, they really don't want to miss any of the playoff action. Little uh, evidence of that is coming up next. What is this? Beastie Boys. Oh. My Beastie Boys discography knowledge goes as far as what I've really heard mostly on uh, K-Rock. I've always thought it was weird that Beastie Boys gets uh, like hard rock, heavy metal station play. I mean, aren't they technically hip hop?
1: They are technically hip hop, but because, well, let's be honest, it's the Rick Rubin influence. Oh. With Def Jam because they always were harder edged, and you know, Fight for Your Rights a great example of that with the opening guitar riff. For good measure, anyway, make some noise. That's the cut.
0: Remember, is it MTV Classic? I, I have that channel, and I at night they'll just play hours of. Music videos, which, yes, MTV does actually have a channel that plays music videos, and so does VH1, I believe. I believe it's VH1 Classic, but MTV Classic, I think it might might be all just one channel, and I'm just getting them mixed up, but uh, there was a Beastie Boys music video that came up, and they just threw a record on in the basement of this house in New York City. I mean, they had to go down a long flight of stairs to get to this basement, it's through a record on, and they're just jamming in this basement. I was like, you know what? What happened to music videos like that? Just simple, underground—no pun intended. But also, I mean, at the time, it might have been underground for somebody like the Beastie Boys when this was a you know an '80s mm-hmm. music video.
1: One of my favorite grit to it. One of my favorite stories about the Replacements was they did not want to do any videos they essentially got to the point where they had to. So literally, they just set up the speaker in front of the camera and filmed the speaker as they played the song. And then at the end of the song, uh, Paul winds up kicking the speaker over, and there's your video. All right, I love a good sports study.
0: I don't think I've ever seen one quite like this before. Troy, if I tell you or I ask you, do you know what the battle for Alberta is? I do. Yeah, I mean, it's a pretty heated rivalry in the NHL. And it just so happened for the first time since 1991, they met up in the playoffs. The Calgary Flames and the Edmonton Oilers, both from Alberta. Edmonton is north of uh, Calgary, of course, being known for the home of Chris Benoit. And then Calgary is known for the home of the Hart family, as everybody (laughs) knows that. The thing is, the battle for Alberta, it used to be a huge deal. Mm -hmm. Maybe not so much anymore. It's not maybe like a top three rivalry in the NHL today. But like in the 80s, in the early 90s, it was the rivalry. Because the teams were really good. Right. Now, give you a comparison, like a college football comparison, to me, it's like the Miami-Florida state rivalry. In the 80s, in the 90s, it was a big deal. Very competitive games. They hated each other. And I'm sure they still do today, but it doesn't get that marquee spotlight like it does anymore because, well, the two programs haven't had the highest of success like they used to Mm -hmm. back in the day. It was a much bigger rivalry a few decades ago
1: however when you factor in that calgary is the most populous in the in the province of alberta and edmonton's the capital that just adds a little fuel to the fire always a good civic rivalry they met up actually
0: as a matter of fact they finished the series last night and edmonton won the series four games to one so it wasn't the most competitive series but edmonton knew like this was theirs to win they're the better team and so, at least I'm pretty sure they, they were the better team. They have been all season long, from my short <laughs> uh, knowledge of what's happened this season in the NHL, just looking at seedings. But in the Western Conference second round, Edmonton wins yesterday's game in overtime. And my goodness, was the play-by-play call from the radio announcer for Edmonton just solid? McDavid created a turnover for
2: the inside. McDavid
0: a shot scores. Connor McDavid has won the five four
1: in overtime
0: I thought i was listening to vince mcmahon for just a moment till- <laughs> so the result overtime victory there's at one point four goals were scored in like a minute and a half it was insane there's a utility company in canada called epcor and what they did they were super curious Nobody asked them to do this. They just did it. They were measuring how focused the fans of Edmonton were on this game as they won the series. And so they started measuring basically water levels, how much water was being used at a certain time. And they realized that if the game was going on, Edmonton fans were not using the restroom. As soon as the period ended, it was like a slow heart rate. You see the little scribbles in the boop big spike scribbles again beep, big spike at the end of every period is a gigantic spike, but during the uh, during the mm-hmm. periods, mm-hmm. even during commercial breaks, hardly at all. Edmonton fans were holding it so they did not miss a moment of the action. I think that was pretty cool. I think we need to get those kind of scientific researches done in the United States. Maybe a little bit around here we could figure out maybe during K-State football, maybe during the KU game. Right. See how we tend to do things around here.
1: By the way, Derek Willis, the radio announcer on CFAC for the Flames.
0: It's been since 1993 a team from Canada has won the Stanley Cup. Montreal in 93 was the last one to do it. An utter
1: drought. It's unreal.
0: All right, so here's what we're going to do. We're going to stay here. We're going to take our last break to wrap up the hour here in just a moment. But before we get there, it is that time of the week where we hear from Sam Honeybuns, and there's a couple of big movies this weekend opening up in theaters. Um, I'm sure one of them, those older than me, are just dying to see. If you haven't seen it yet, which I heard you could get in early to see it. Here is Sam Honeybuns with this weekend's movie previews.
3: I'm Sam Honey taking a look at this weekend's coming attractions. Looks like we got two great selections just in time for the long weekend. First one is not only fitting for this weekend, but also is a longly anticipated movie after three years worth of delays. Top Gun Maverick. A sequel to the 1986, air quotes classic, Top Gun, Maverick sees Navy pilot Pete Maverick Mitchell training a detachment of Top Gun graduates for a specialized mission the likes of which no living pilot has ever seen. Top Gun is rated PG-13 and has a run time of 2 hours and 11 minutes. It also has a 97% on Rotten Tomatoes. Next up we have the Bob's Burgers movie. Based on the hit animated show, the Bob's Burgers movie sees the Belcher family in trouble as a sinkhole block the entrance to their restaurant ruining their summer plans. While Bob and Linda struggle to keep the business afloat, the kids try to solve a mystery that could save their family's restaurant. The Bobs Burgers movie is rated PG-13 and has a runtime of 1 hour and 42 minutes. It currently has a 91% on Rotten Tomatoes. That will wrap up this week's movie preview. Listen in on Monday for the Micro Movie Minute of Top Gun Maverick with me, Sam Honey. Sam Honeybuns
0: with the trigger of air-quoting classic When talking about the OG Top Gun.
1: Boy needs a lesson.
0: Now, here's the deal, Top Gun fans. The Friday weekend hype song is coming up here in a matter of moments. It's going to be for you. I don't want to do it, but I'm going to do it just for you. Also, a fun preview of K-State Baseball tonight. Number one song of the day. Ask us anything coming up in hour two. But coming up next, your top of the hour news.